Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hi, Red O'Loughlin here. Uh, today's segment of Talking Heads on the USA Global TV and Radio Network is we're going to talk about fat managing it. If I can have the first slide, Dr. Jacqueline. Okay. First off, introduction. This is the USA Global TV and Radio Network, and I am so pleased that Dr. Jacqueline allows me to, to have my own show here. We talk about health and wellness issues primarily. Occasionally, we may touch into some other area. I think we did a series way back when on how to write and publish your book for free, but the USA Global TV and Radio Network has not only my shows, but I, I believe Dr. Jacqueline's up will be up very shortly to 29 shows a week. So there's just a wealth of knowledge out there for so many different people. Disclaimer, I'm a researcher. I'm not, never have been in the medical industry. Uh, I have five different degrees, but there are none of them in anything that you would consider pharmacology or anything like that. My first degree was in chemistry. I use that a lot nowadays to research the human body at the cellular level. Chemically speaking, I look for cause and effect relationships. Treat a cause, fix a problem. Treat a symptom, and you'll always be treating symptoms. So using the chemistry, I can get into the human body and see what's going on chemically. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about here today. You know, what is fat and, and what can we do about it? So as we're looking at the topic of fat management, we're talking about how does our body store and retrieve fat when we need We use it, then we store it, and then we need, we need it again later. And if we're looking at the overall aspect of fat in a normal human body, you know, we need fat. There's, in fact, I'll talk a little bit about it here, a slide or two. When you get these really ultra uh, muscular bodybuilders and they're down around three, four or 5% body fat and the muscles just glisten because you can see every single one of them. Uh, a lot of health issues sometimes develop because of that. So the fat is there for a reason. Now, do we have to have an extra three or four inches hanging over our waist? No. Uh, there are issues on both ends of the extreme, too little fat or too much fat. But most of us, we really want to be healthy. And can we be healthy and carry an extra three or four inches of fat? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, your blood pressure is there. Your I mean, there's a lot of things that can measure health. That extra little bit around the, the middle might be uncomfortable, but a lot of people are extremely healthy with it. And so maybe a reason for managing fat might be not only for health, but maybe for appearance. Maybe you're in a, in a position that your job is better seen when you're more slim and trim. Uh, maybe you just uh, want to maintain weight control. A lot of reasons why we want to manage fat. But when we look at fat, we generally have a, a couple different kinds. We have body fat and we have dietary fat. And the body fat, you know, it's a, it's a, it's the fat that we're we're kind of eating, uh, the the fat that we have that's accumulated there. Dietary fat, we're going to be going into a, a lot of different kinds of of dietary fat, the, the actual makeup of it. But our body fat, uh, 
as a protective mechanism for our organs in order to maintain good health up to a point in time, everything's good. But as you allow that, that two or three extra inches to become five or six extra inches or eight or nine extra inches. Now we start bordering on the fact that your excess body fat almost becomes a new organ in the body. And as such, it has a right in voting what goes on with regard to your health. But dietary fats, that's basically what we eat. We either eat something that has fat in it, or we have some level of carbohydrates, some kind of simple sugars or complex carbohydrates. And those both contribute to fat being used for energy, fat being used for storage to be retrieved later for energy. But our bodies in a normal, healthy environment, yeah, we take it in, we use the glucose immediately for a power supply. And then when we kind of run out of that juice, we go back into the fat cells, pull out some more energy. Uh, does dietary fat make you fat? Well, that's been a speculation for many, many, many years that, yeah, if I'm eating, you know, bacon and ice cream and this and that and everything else, well, I'm eating fat, I'm going to get fat. Well, the fats that we eat are essentially going to be used as part of the energy that our body needs right now. Yes, it may be stored short time as a fat energy supply. Uh, it's called adipose tissue. And, and the body needs a certain percentage of this for our health. Uh, as we eat certain other kinds of food, carbohydrates, they get converted into glucose, which again is, is the preferred uh, energy source. But many people don't realize that you can actually make fat from proteins because the body has a, a process glucogenesis that will actually change a protein into a fat. It's just not because you're eating a certain kind of diet. Uh, the diet, when the body needs it, it's going to do what it has to do. Uh, but bodybuilders, I mentioned a minute ago, they have very low uh, percent body weight, you know, maybe two months, three months ahead of time. They may be at 10, 12, 14%. They get ready for competition. They're down around that four or 5% range. And that's, I'm not going to say it's unhealthy to keep it there for a long period of time. What they've seen in studies is increased uh, cortisol, uh, reduced testosterone, uh, immune function uh, issues, uh, a lot of issues with mood. Uh, and ironically, even though they look super strong, physical performance sometimes wanes a little bit. And they also have a decrease in the, the maximum heart rate that they can, can possibly achieve. Uh, and those things... From a health perspective, you want your immune system up. Uh, you know, from an emotional perspective, you want to be in a fairly constant good mood. Uh, we want to be able to perform at our best. We want our heart health to be as optimum as possible. But as we look at the fat as it comes into the body, uh, each of these things are considered macronutrients, proteins, carbs, fats. Your proteins and your carbs are basically about four grams per when I look at the level of the same measuring, how much energy comes out of that? What, where are my calories coming from? So if I'm looking at a, a, a certain amount of carbs, I'm going to get four uh, calories per certain weight of that particular thing. Fats are double what the other ones are. But when we look at the big scheme of things, why are we overweight? Why are we having a problem with losing weight? Why are we having a problem with no matter what I do, I keep adding an extra pound or two. Well, when you look at the big scheme of things, it's not the fats that you're eating so much. It's the total calories that are ingested. The body's got to do something with them. 
And as you get older, you're going to find that, okay, yeah, I used to do this all the time when I was 25. I had no problem at all. Double cheeseburger, you know, fries, drink, uh, shug, everything. Well, now I can't even begin to go with a single cheeseburger, half order of fries, and I'm still gaining weight. A lot of things change in our bodies and what used to work way back when, when we were somewhat more optimal change. And as those changes occur, now we have things that we need to do with. So if I were to say anything to anybody, I've, I've told this to many, many people, you need to be looking at the number of calories that you're actually consuming. What's one simple, easy way to address that? Change the size of your plate. If you have a plate that's this big, use a salad plate. Uh, and only go for, only have one meal. Don't go back for seconds. Now you're limiting the total number of calories you can have physically by choosing a smaller plate. That's probably a very easy way to start. I'm not trying to solve all the problems of fat today, but that's one that just to throw it out there for an easy way of, of helping people change the size of the plates you have. If you're going out to eat someplace, ask for a doggy bag in advance. Put half the food into the doggy bag. Uh, that way you take and split not only the cost of your meal, but you get two meals out of it. And that second one, generally speaking, can be a pretty decent meal. But you split that one meal, which generally in, in restaurants is a much larger portion. I've argued with several owners of restaurants. I said, why not have a, a healthy choice or maybe call it a senior menu? You know, take one half of everything you have on the plate, charge two thirds for it. That way you're making up more than you would you know, for that amount of food, you're giving people something they can finish. But yes, they say, yeah, it sounds great, but it never happens. Uh, in Europe, when I was living over there, the price of everything, you pay $20 for a meal, it's $20, uh, euros, whatever. But over here, okay, it's $20 for the meal, but then you get the tax and everything else. Uh, that was another thing. I said, just include the tax, everything in there. So when you see a price, that's exactly what you pay. But regardless, I guess uh, I'm not part of that, that, ability to influence them. But if we want to avoid fats, you know, one way of doing it is to kind of reduce the amount of calories we take in. Uh, if we eat more carbs, in other words, we kind of hear a little bit, the carbs, as we eat them, kind of makes us hungry. You've heard the expression, you eat a Chinese meal and all of a sudden, half hour later, you know, you're hungry again, whatever. But part of that is that it's called reactive hypoglycemia. You get finished, you're sated, you're, you feel good, and then hour later, you're hungry again. Or if you had that big spaghetti meal at lunch, all of a sudden it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you can't keep your eyes open because all of a sudden that hypoglycemia sets in and you just, the low blood sugar just crashes. Uh, but the carbs, if you had to look at anything, if you wanted to be able to control a level of, of weight, a level of fat around your gut, uh, carbs is probably something you probably, you know, you should pay attention to. Fat is not making you fat, the extra calories. We just talked about that. Uh, fat that adds weight generally comes more from the carbohydrate end of things than anything else. We have good fats. We have healthy fats. You know, what are some examples of bad fats? Uh, chicken skin, uh, bacon, sausage, whole milk, butter, margarine, shortened, uh, almost every fried food you have, baked goods, pastries. You know, we got saturated fats, you got trans fatty, you got all sorts of stuff out there. And like anything else, a small amount, fine. You know, if you have a leg of chicken fried, fine. Uh, it's like that one beer. It's not a six pack of beer. It's not, you know, a whole chicken. 
a certain amount was is fine. Now, if you have a choice of avoiding trans fats, do it. That is a health risk. If you have a choice of saturated fat, well, it depends where the fat comes from. And there's a lot of speculation. I've talked about this before. But a saturated fat, just because it's coming from beef, depending on how that beef was raised, does it have a lot of toxins in it? There's just so many things that when we arbitrarily test heart health against saturated fat, we get these heart attacks and deaths and all sorts of things. It, it's not necessarily always the, the, the fat there, and especially something like uh, coconut oil. That's a saturated fat, but it's a plant uh, fat and not a animal fat. Totally different animal, but they're both undersaturated fats. Actually, coconut is a medium chain triglyceride. It's slightly different than the saturated fat you get from beef. But you have the, the audience out there that says, okay, I want high fat, low carb. And that's your basic Atkins, your keto. And then you have your low fat, high carb that was in vogue for quite a few years because a lot of people thought that fat was causing heart attacks, all sorts of health issues. Fat in and of itself is not a major problem, but again, it's the amount and the type. We talked just briefly a minute ago about unhealthy fats. Well, two of the fats that we cannot make in our bodies are omega-3 and omega-6. They're essential fatty acids. We need them. Omega-3s come usually from fish, uh, your plant, you know, vegetable oils, those kind of things are your omega-6s. However, when the ratio is one-to-one, omega-6 to omega-3, our bodies are happy, our health is good, generally no problems. You get outside the range of four-to-one vegetable oil to fish oil, now all of a sudden you start having a, an issue because those extra vegetable oil uh, omega-6 fatty acids become inflammatory. The standard American diet uh, is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, 30, or more, 50 to 1, omega-6 to omega-3. Highly inflammatory. When you start looking at disease, where does disease start? Cellular, chronic, low-level inflammation at the cellular. So when that inflammation is in the body, it's going to be doing something. So cut way back on the omega-6s, increase your omega-3s, try to get a one-to-one, and generally heart health and a lot of other things are going to come. If I had to pass anything on to my audience today, number one, become a master of reading labels. Just because it says it's six grams of this and two grams of this and 150 calories doesn't mean anything if there's five servings in there and you're thinking the entire thing is only that. It's five times that. There are a lot of different tricks on reading labels on, on whatever kind of food you have. And a lot of times fats are hidden, carbs are hidden, uh, might be something listed totally different. You're not expecting it there, especially with gluten. Uh, I read labels on everything. I'm, even the, the rare times that I take a prescription med, I go in there and I look at what are the contraindications. I want to know what's there. I, I do a lot of reading, uh, but Matt, read your labels. You ought to be able to understand them. Uh, if not, you know, there's so much information out there from Dr. Google and Dr. YouTube that you should have no problem at all finding it. But the labels are key. It gives you a good idea of how much is there, what kind of stuff is there. Uh, but if you wanted to take control of your life, uh, in addition to using a smaller plate, master reading labels so you know what you're eating. There's a term out there that's used about quite a bit, body mass index, BMI. When it came out originally, it was to test a 
group of people, a population of this kind of individual against this kind of individual. They were never, ever meant to be used for individuals. They were meant for groups of people. But as such, they, we bastardized it over time. Insurance companies want to know your BMI. But the problem is BMI is not set up to account for individuals. You know, if I were a uh, football player and I have a certain height, weight, and uh, measurement around my neck and my waist and my chest, I'm going to have a different body mass index than if I had the same height and weight but different measurements for other parts of my body. But the body mass index is only going to go on certain things. And uh, so without taking into account the other factors, I really tend to discount body mass index quite a bit because it was never intended to be used as an individual's health uh, level. Dietary fat is insoluble. As we bring it into the body, you know, that piece of chicken you had, uh, the chicken skin and the, the fried uh, uh, vegetable oil on the outside of the, the crispy uh, shortening, uh, crispy, um, I can't think of what the, the stuff they put in, the, uh, the breading. All that stuff is insoluble as far as the dietary fat in there. As our body processes, the fat gets emulsified by the bile from our gallbladder, sent down to the liver. All sorts of things happen. But the liver essentially creates fat for energy and storage. It's called triglycerides or cholesterol. That's the stuff that goes flowing back and forth in our blood uh, vessel, blood veins. And so as we're measuring, you know, what is your triglycerides? What are your fats? What are your cholesterol? What is this? What is that? Uh, a lot of times what they're actually measuring are what they call lipoproteins. And these lipoproteins are essentially the fats that have been repackaged with a protein so that they become soluble in our in our bodies. Well, once they become soluble, now they can enter a fat cell. So we're talking about what causes fat to enter a fat cell. Well, number one, it has to be compatible with that fat cell. Uh, as I look at a triglyceride, the whole thing, it's too big to get into a fat cell. It actually has to be broken down into the fatty acids in order to end the glycerol. And so as an individual component, it can be pulled in there. It can be reassembled as a triglyceride inside the fat cell, and it can't leave. It, it's just too physically big. So it has to be broken down to get out. We're going to talk about that next week. But as we look at the fat that we take in from our fried chicken, that gets into the body, gets down to the cellular level, and provides that energy we need. Not necessarily right now. That's the job of uh, sugars and carbohydrates. But that other stuff we need six hours after we're done eight hours into our sleep we wake up that's what kept our body energy charged and, and operating fully so let's talk a little bit about carbohydrates another source of fats for the body one of those ones that most people kind of associated with fat you know they said okay fine cut back on your carbs and you'll lose weight well it's not that simple carbs provide that immediate uh, energy. I mean, it's, that's the glucose, our body, that's that's what we use. It's there, it's available right now. Carbs also come in a form, that we call a complex carbohydrate. This is a rice, uh, a uh, baked potato kind of thing, something that doesn't give you that sugar high instantly. It takes a while to be processed. Uh, as it's processed, it takes a longer to build up in the body where sugar is just going to spike to the top. That, that rice is going to take a little longer to, and it's not actually going to spike. It's just going to kind of come gradually and become more available to it. Insulin, once we get that fat, the glucose in our, our bloodstream, now that says, hey, pancreas, I need some uh, insulin because I need to get 
all this stuff, this glucose, into the cells where they need to go. So insulin starts to come about. Uh, they take and store the glucose there in the form of glycogen in our muscles. Uh, also store fat where we need for short-term use. These are the things our body does normally. It's just everyday healthy uh, processes. Nothing changes. I mean, until things start to happen a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the story. I just said that the pancreas makes that. It's, it directs the muscles and the fat cells to accept that glucose. But over time, it's not quite the same. Uh, the cells use that for the energy and stores the unused. But the insulin causes a problem over time. And what we're getting to is insulin resistance. And insulin resistance doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it can't be corrected overnight. But it leads to a lot of problems that we're going to be seeing with regard to those couple extra inches. The overeating is an issue. Insulin resistance is an issue. So overeating, we can control a little bit. How do you control insulin resistance? It's the cells are unresponsive. In other words, okay, what normally says, okay, you need this much. The muscles say, eh, not, no, 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 no. So the pancreas creates more insulin. Now you have more insulin out there and that's just not a healthy place to be with that extra insulin in the in the bloodstream. Uh, a lot of potential for diabetes, a lot of potential for other issues. But as we look at things, our blood sugar is no longer controllable as it was because our bodies are not using it, maybe because we're not exercising as much as we did 20, 30 years ago. But we end up literally making more fat, storing more fat, and this insulin resistance just keeps the ball rolling. It, no matter what happens, it's there. And we, we look at what, what can we do about it? Well, here's the crux of the matter when we start looking at what causes fat to go into a fat cell. Uh, insulin resistance is one of several factors, but probably one of the biggest. Uh, it can be controlled. Again, Dr. YouTube, Dr. Google will tell you how can you counter insulin resistance, what kind of meals you should be eating and everything. Uh, but essentially, when you have excess fat, that's the fat that's being stored. Uh, it causes an insulin resistance problem. So if you're obese, you're having a problem. That fat I mentioned earlier almost becomes another organ in the body. That excess fat causes insulin resistance. And until you get rid of that excess fat, that insulin resistance is going to be a hinder to your health, your appearance, and everything you want to do. Age, not a whole lot we can do about aging. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do, seriously. There are things that you can do to help minimize age-related disease, uh, minimize a lot of factors that might not necessarily be productive to your end, end goals for uh, retirement life. But unless you understand what causes you to age, and that's a totally different program from what we're talking about now. I did a series on aging on Talking Heads a while back. It's there in USA Global TV and Radio Network. Uh, please go back and take a look at it if you want. But age can be controlled to a degree with regard to the negative aspects of age. Diet, probably the biggest thing you can control. It's not what you eat, it's how much you eat. Well, it's what you eat, yes, but it's also how much you eat. And that is something that we certainly can control. Our level of activity. If you love to sit on the couch and watch TV, that's probably not going to help your insulin resistance a whole lot. Uh, just going out and walking 20, 30, 40 minutes outside, fresh air, sunshine, be amazed at what that does two or three, four times a week. 
that physical activity, even if it's not much at all, is far better than just sitting on the couch. Uh, maybe a thing to do is every time the commercial comes on, stand up, walk around, do something. Uh, don't sit down through during a commercial. Maybe that's a way of starting. But inactivity was going to cause a lot of issues, starting with the brain, working down to your heart. A lot of a lot of issues with inactivity. Certain medications, uh, again, look at the contraindications on the actual piece of paper you get with your meds. Some will cause an insulin resistance issue, uh, weight gain, a lot of other things there. Inflammation, talked about that already. The excess omega-6 fatty acids cause inflammation. A lot of other things cause inflammation. Uh, we talk about the um, free radicals that are out there. Anytime you have free radicals, and that can be from anything, breathing, thinking, exercise, toxins, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Our body is constantly under attack 24-7. Inflammation is there. How do you counter it? Antioxidants. So if you're not maintaining a pretty good level of antioxidants in your diet, uh, that's something you might want to take a look at. I came to the realization here very recently, I have been having a problem off and on here for the last you know, probably year plus, with a symptom called dry eye. And some days I don't even notice it. Other days I need eye drops. Some days it gets so bad, I almost have to put a, a, something over my eye to, to keep everything out. And I started thinking to myself, I just wonder if my dry eye might be a, a nutrient deficiency or might be an inflammatory reaction. At my age, it, I'm told that my tear ducts, uh, my tear, I, outside of my linings of my eyelids, I have little holes, little pores that provide a lubricant for the eye so that every time you blink your eyes, it coats the eye with a lubricant. Well, as you get older, these things don't function as well. You're not putting out as much. The eye has a tendency to dry out a little bit. You get dry eye. I notice it a lot when I'm driving. You get a little bit of that air conditioning, just light flow or air conditioning from inside the house. So I did a little experiment a couple of days ago. Uh, I took what my normal dietary intake for food okay, fine, I'm, I'm good there on nutrition. I said, what about if I now take some extra anti-inflammatories? So I did. I have about a half a dozen of them there. And lo and behold, I didn't have any problems with my eyes. I mean, just like, whoa, this is neat. Um, went through the rest of the day. Next day came. I said, let me split what I took last night. So I took half in the morning, half in the evening, through the whole day. Didn't use a single drop. Uh, and just you know, maybe part of my problem with my dry eyes is an inflammatory reaction, not necessarily caused by age, but exacerbated by age. Regardless, uh, the anti-inflammation that I took action against for my eyes being extra dry uh, seems to be solved. So that passing it on for what it might be worth. If you have a problem and you're not addressing it from an inflammatory perspective with antioxidants, uh, might be a thought to, to consider. We have a lot of different hormones in the body, adrenaline, cortisol, again, dealing with stress. If you're not maintaining, managing your stress, they can cause issues. One of the issues is they affect the level of insulin resistance. So if you're highly stressed, what do you typically do? I eat the extra food to make me feel good. Uh, we're just kind of whizzing around anyway. Uh, low testosterone, again, another hormonal issue. Uh, high glycemic foods, the food choices we take are very, very high in in sugar. Uh, probably one of the worst things you can have is one piece of white bread. I think that is considered the number one 
uh, highest glycemic index food that's out there, you know, per, per weight. Uh, but again, if you understand what's causing things to happen, you maybe change that white bread to maybe no bread at all. Have an open face sandwich with no bread. Why not? Uh, when I go to a uh, get a burger, I'll cut it in half, throw half of it away, and just put the two pieces of bread on top of my burger. Half of my bread is gone. Uh, when I was really on Atkins big time way back when, I would actually nibble around the edges and keep pulling the bread apart. I just used bread to actually hold the meat together, and I would eat the meat and then just keep pulling the bread out until I got done. I ended up not eating any bread at all. Atkins is, is good for losing weight, losing inches. However, there's some issues with acidosis that can cause bone uh, density problems, and it's just something that had I been eating a more balanced diet with fruits and vegetables, the antioxidants, I wouldn't have had issues with bone density. Again, it's just part of living and learning. A lot of times we have problems with fructose. Uh, fructose, alcohol are two things our body really doesn't know what to do with. It's almost like a toxin, a poison. And a little bit biting an apple, no big deal. Just incremental amount, we body doesn't care. But when you start downing you know, the huge uh, Coke or something like that that has that high fructose corn syrup or anything that's made with the high fructose, the body just gets overwhelmed. And that's one of the causes of non-alcohol fatty uh, liver disease. Not drinking, but you're still having a major liver problem because the liver can't handle the fructose. Uh, so that's something that really, really should consider maximizing or actually minimize, maximizing the avoidance of minimizing fructose uh, from the high fructose corn syrup. Sleep is where our bodies repair itself. If we're not getting good quality sleep, insulin resistance is affected. I mentioned alcohol, uh, a lot of issues there with uh, how many deep, but again, how much? I'm having one glass of wine, fine. I'm having one bottle of wine, maybe not so good. Toxins, uh, that can be a six week topic all to itself. Uh, gestational diabetes. Uh, yes, you're pregnant. You have a lot of problems with increased insulin resistance, a lot of problems with diabetes, gestational type. Uh, back in the 1920s and 30s, doctors typically treated gest gestational diabetes with chromium because the fetus was taking the chromium from the mother. And as a result, they ended up with diabetes, gestational. Uh, the extra chromium was in there, boom, diabetes disappears. After World War II, whatever doctors were out there, they were not being paid attention to, boom. Uh, we have a major problem nowadays with gestational diabetes. But in reality, uh, it's, a, it, it's much easier to control. But again, we're not paying attention to what was happening 100 years ago. Smoking, again, an issue health perspective, but it can cause an increase in insulin resistance. And obesity in and of itself, because of the extra fat you have around the body, that becomes an extra organ. And it's just way, way, way too many things going on. Um, so what are we going to go next week? I want to talk about how's, how do we get the fat out of the fat? So what causes fat to come out? Today, we sort of talked about what causes it to get in there. Now it's in the fat cells. What, what are we going to do to get that out of the fat cells? That's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, excess fat didn't happen overnight. Uh, again, this program is starts out at this level for awareness, education, at some point in time, as your education improves, depending on what level of health you are, whether you should talk to your physician or not, but at some point in time, you may take action, and that might be the beginning of uh, an improvement in a lot of things, and I certainly hope so. 
my contact information is here on the screen. But if you're listening to this program, redolaughlin.com is the easiest way to reach me. R-E-D, like the color red, Olaughlin, O-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N, O-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N, redolaughlin.com. All my contact information is on my website. And more than happy to, to try to help any way I can. So thank you very much, Dr. Jacqueline, for being uh, allowing me to be on Talking Heads this week. And I look forward to, to continuing this again next week. Take care. Thank you.